want to give a bit of context to this one prior to getting into it. So this is a session between myself and Dean Jenkins. So Dean Jenkins is one of our commercial managers here at acquired.com. Dean manages the relationship directly with Malg. So Malg is the money advice liaison group. So Dean was invited to do a wider session to do with associated sponsors and partners to do with the Malg association. He had a half an hour slot to go through the overall impact and the overall value and what it actually means when it comes to open banking. So that's the reason this came around. There's some really important and valuable insight there is the is the reason why we're posting it separately. So let's get into this one. Yeah, Bob Whittington, who's the CEO of MALG, which is the Money Advice Liaison Group, he is aware that I wanted to get involved with the organization and just do an educational piece really around open banking and the confusion that it causes, the different parts of open banking. He invited me onto one of the regional meetings, which was a virtual meeting. So I did a presentation and talked through that on the day. And then he sent slides out to the all of the members of MALG for them to have a look at. So those that weren't able to be present, they could still see the slides. Those on the day obviously heard me, my, my commentary around it. Cool. Awesome. And then, yeah, just getting straight into it. I know that, as I said, you have been through this already, but there is, I'm sure, if it's anything like a movie or a book or anything like that, you do pick up things a second time around, even though you might have gone through it already. So it'd be great just to go through the slides again and give equally the listener and all of the male members another context as to something that you know, I think is really important for them, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think the commentary is just as important as the information itself. Lots of people like to read. But also, I think the commentary is, is yeah, is very important. So Acquired.com, I started with an introduction just because being new members of MALG, I just wanted to introduce us. So part of the Quint Group, which was established in 2009. And the Quint Group's main goal was to service the consumer credit and financial services sectors. So basically to provide easier access to credit and help with different affordability challenges. So in 2014, Acquired.com was born. And our goal really was making the collections and disbursements process as seamless as possible and also helping to make that customer journey when making payments as easy as possible as well. Awesome. I'm just going to flip to the next side so everyone's aware. There we go. Cool. So just a brief overview of the sort of subjects, that's the contents that I'm going to discuss. A brief history of open banking. And I think a lot of people will be surprised some of the dates that I'm going to talk about and then go into open banking itself and the confusion that's clearly around when people talk about open banking. Just going to do a very brief intro to VRPs and if you don't already know what they are you soon will and I'll go into what VRPs actually mean and then talk about the two aspects of open banking which is AISP and we'll cover off what that means and also a PISP and we'll cover off that as well. And then talking about the adoption and the adapting, uh, we know that new technology is sometimes quite hard to be adopted and uh, companies find it difficult to adapt to new technology. And then some really good scenarios to bring it to life, to help people see how open banking works in reality. So when we look at the history of open banking, I think majority of people are really surprised to know it's actually been around since 1980, but it's only been widely recognized in recent years. And the analogy I like to use is 
3D viewing in cinema because we know that viewing a 3D film has been around for donkey's years, but it's only really come back and uh, become mainstream in recent years, but it's never going to replace normal mainstream cinema viewing. Open banking's been around for a long time, but it's only really starting to be taken up over the last few years. Those that, you know, will have access to this presentation, not going to go into large detail because it's self-explanatory there with the dates, but it's just worth noting, 1980, it's been around since, and really only 2017 and 2018, the legislation and the regulation was really started to, to come into fore and be introduced. So I think this is the key thing that I wanted to tackle when doing this, because there's a lot of confusion around open banking. There's a great need for education. And also marketing is very much responsible for the message that's being given out about open banking. People know of open banking with so many different terms. Account to account payments, instant mobile payments, open banking payments, pay by bank, direct bank transfer, online bank payment. That is massively confusing to the consumer. And I think it's really important for the industry to, to use very similar terms as well, if that confidence is going to be ad adapted and adopted by, by consumers. So the majority of people, when you talk to them about open banking, and I bet, you know, if I had an audience of 100 people and I said, what's open banking mean to you? The majority would say, that's where you have access to my bank account. You can see my spending habits big brother looking at what I'm doing. But that's just one aspect of open yep. banking. Awesome. Just briefly, want to talk about VRPs. Now, a VRP is a variable recurring payment. The reason I'm touching on this is because there is a lot of myth and we need to deal with that and talk about the truth of VRPs. So a variable recurring payment is broken down into two sections, and that's sweeping and non-sweeping. So sweeping is where a transaction is executed and settled via the same bank. So for example, a payment can be taken from a customer's NatWest account by a company using NatWest themselves. It's the movement of money that is automatically transferred between two of a customer's own accounts. So in other words, me-to-me -me payments. That is available right now. And companies out there have that capability. The second aspect is this non-sweeping. Now, this is a payment that can be set up between two different banks. Now, it can help businesses and consumers manage, it, manage regular bills or subscription services. So if you like, this is going to replace direct debit. Now, while sweeping is in the early stages of adoption, as I say, it is available right now, non-sweeping is at least two years away. And we as a company have done lots of research, competitor analysis on non-sweeping. There is com complex legislation that's going to be involved in order to protect consumers. So if you think about the direct debit guarantee, every time a company requests to set up a direct debit or you as a customer want to set up a direct debit, you get sent either electronically or in paper format that direct debit guarantee and it informs you of your rights. And non-sweeping, there is going to be so much involved and in getting all of the banks and building societies to agree on how that is set up, but more importantly, how to protect the customer's data. And I think from my perspective, I think when we talk around VRPs and direct debit, the main thing for me would be that it's variable. 
you know, it's variable. A direct debit would be a single amount for a certain term, whereas a variable, your VRP can be your Netflix subscription goes up two pounds and then it comes back down. It's never come down, <laughs> but it only ever goes up. Yeah. And that is something that can change on a monthly basis. So I'm assuming the legislation will have to cover that. Exactly right. And direct debits are very rigid. And if a direct debit is cancelled, it could be two, three, four, five days before you as a company are even aware. And then you've got to represent the payment. So yeah, non-sweeping, absolutely right. It will deal with payments that are going to change amount to amount each month. So you've got to have so much tight legislation to protect the customer. So onto the two aspects of open banking. So these are the real key points here. So an AISP is an account information service provider. Now, what that does is it provides access to a consumer's bank account after they have given explicit permission for that. It gives lenders a clearer picture around affordability, the likelihood of, a, of delinquency occurring, and also helps in the decisioning process when lending. So the Open Banking Initiative and Parliament pushed the banking system in the UK to share this data with third parties. So a wonderful change in the setup and, and visibility and when it comes to affordability and access to credit. But as I mentioned, it has to have explicit consent from the consumer and AISPs do not have the right to execute a payment or move money from a customer's account. So there's lots of AISP providers out there who provide this as a standalone service. For example, one of our sister companies under the Quint Group is called Infineon. They're able to provide real-time data on a customer's spending habits, and that is invaluable when looking at affordability and decisioning. Awesome. And then PISP is the second aspect. Now, this is the aspect that people are not so much aware of, I think. And this has come from me talking to people in the industry and across all manner of industries as well. That stands for Payment Initiation Service Provider. So PISPs act on a consumer's behalf to initiate payments. And that allows businesses to carry out online payments without the need for credit or debit card details. Now, that is only in relation to an instant mobile banking payment because you don't need credit or debit card details. So PISPs use technology that executes a faster payment through the banking system. So it completely negates the cost of interchange and scheme fees as well. Now, when a payment processor relies on a third party to provide that service, it starts to raise a couple of issues around visibility and reconciliation on those transactions. Because again, a lot of companies, when I've been speaking to companies doing the research, they want to have a streamlined process. So having separate logins, having separate relationships, not always the best and the most ideal. Whereas the benefits of PISP that can offer open banking, it will streamline the entire process for finance and account teams because they don't want to be dealing with multiple logins and different portals and going here for this reconciliation or, or, or that report. So it makes sense from a time and cost point of view to have one single portal and one relationship that can offer every payment method directly. And that's where this relationship comes in. Does your PISP, your payment service provider, offer card 
Apple Pay, for example, and Pay by Bank. So when it comes to the adoption and adapting of new technology, again, <laughs> I like to ask people, how many times have you used your own individual mobile banking app to make a payment or to authorize a payment online? When would making an instant mobile payment be easier, quicker, and better for a consumer and more beneficial for the organization or business? So the industries, you might think of the obvious ones like debt collecting agencies, but industries where open banking payments work could be utilities, local government, any company that deals with collections, consumer lending, car finance, insurance, B2B billing, as well as the obvious, which we mentioned, debt collecting agencies. I just wanted to talk very briefly about contactless payments in relation to open banking payments, because I think this is really important. We all know so many people within the population were really skeptical about using contactless payments. They did not like the fact that they could just walk up to a card machine and tap their card without doing anything else to make a payment. But COVID sped up the adoption of contactless payments. And now we know as a face-to-face -face payment method, over 60% of all transactions are contactless. So the adoption of instant mobile payments, it will increase as more and more people realize the ease and the benefits. Some companies can even incentivize the use of open banking payments. Debt collecting agencies could turn around and say, look, we'll reduce, we'll take a little bit off of your debt. If you want to make an instant mobile payment now, we can send you a link and make the payment straight away. Contactless was also driven by, driven demographically. So open banking payments to a degree is the same. We know that 18 to 34 year olds generally live on their mobile phones. They already transfer money to their peers. They pay for products via social media or via a shopping app. So ASOS particularly is a good example of that. And the older demographic in the UK is still very wary of handing card details over the phone. So being able to send them a link direct to their mobile phone or directing them to their own banking app will give them more confidence because they're the ones that are going to verify the transaction with their own biometrics. So bringing open banking payments to life, I think this is really important. So person A, for example, receives some benefits. Now, some of those benefits they might get weekly, some of them might get bi-monthly or even monthly. But they're an individual that says, I want to make a payment, but I want to do it on my terms. I know it's completed. I know I have the money. Then I don't have to worry. In this instance, a direct debit's not going to work. And also, there might be an individual that don't like giving their card details over the phone. So as a company who is looking to collect payments, you've got a customer there that says, I can pay. I'm happy to pay. How can you help them with not falling into arrears? So the solution, your online portal can have a button very simply labeled instant mobile payment. The customer can make that payment when they have the money or a customer calls in because they prefer to speak to somebody and the advisor can send them a secure link to their mobile phone or email and directs them to their own banking app and approve that payment instantly. A second scenario might be a person who has fallen behind on their payments through either an unexpected life event, mismanagement of their funds, or just a general oversight, which happens. 
So the key factors here is that a customer may well have savings in another bank account. We know through doing research that some customers have three or four different bank accounts. They might have some with no card access. It's just there as a savings account or an emergency fund. But they want to be able to get that arrears sorted as quickly and easily as possible. Solution, send them a link. They choose the banking provider where they might have some extra funds in. They can instantly make that payment. The arrears is sorted. Customer is back on track. A traditional bank transfer, which quite frankly, I'm shocked that that businesses still use traditional bank transfer. It's so outdated and it's slow and it's not a good customer journey. Let me give you my sort code and account number for the company. Right, I'll give you my sort code and account number. I've got to go down to the bank. I've got to log into online banking. I've got to set up a banking payment. It is not a great journey. And then finally, one that we know as a company is very well adopted by debt collection agencies. Now, they have online portals. Customers can log in. They can make their payments. Yes, we know traditional debit card transactions have been working fine and they will continue to work fine. But it's a fact. The cost of processing a card transaction is more expensive than an open banking payment. Even if 10% of the overall collections that are made by a DCA or debt collection company, what does that mean? As a cost-saving exercise alone, 10% of your total payments switches to instant banking payments. It's something that businesses will have to look at individually to see what that can mean to them. But it's an instant settlement as well. You can also satisfy an area of consumer duty. It's a better process for funds into your company account. And if consumer duty says, what have you done to make that process easier for your customers to get back on track with their debts? You can turn around and say, we've adopted instant mobile payments. We've seen a take up of X amount percent and it's growing as well. So in conclusion, open banking payments is being adopted right now. It is seeing massive success, but there's a lot of growth to go. It will always work in tandem with other payment methods. It will never replace debit card payments or some other payment method. But reconciliation and reporting are very key If you already deal with card payments or any other payment methods, you want one relationship to have visibility of all transactions so that you can reconcile and report on that. And open banking payments will help improve collection rates. There's a huge demographic out there today that are on their mobile devices and Malg as an organization, they have some great events, virtual and face-to-face It's a great learning experience. There's massive experience as well that people that they invite to give to give information and talks and presentations. And we've seen in recent meetings that there is a group that very soon could well move into a massive debt and arrears category. And that is those that are going to come off fixed rate mortgages or the younger generation that are taking up buy now, pay later. We've just seen that the regulation now is put on hold. So these buy now, pay later organizations are starting to induce late fees. And the data isn't really clear at the moment as to how that's going to impact that generation. So even in general collection teams, instant mobile payments are going to be a great consideration to work in tandem 
And basically, the integration is pretty quick and easy. Yeah, it's worth exploring if you haven't already. 